I uh, needed to confess something real quick. I forgot to click record with our last guest, so it's sort of just going to take off, but we did want to say welcome to Helmet Theory Podcast, and we hope you enjoy this content. This is our friend Jamal Javanji. He's uh, from another podcast called The Love Cast with Jamal and the Heretic Happy Hour, as well as uh, has written a few books. So we took a few minutes to talk to him and hope you enjoy it. So here it goes, Matt and Matt and Jamal. Very short, I ended up going off to college and I uh, went to Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia and uh, studied uh, religion as a pastoral major because I, I wanted to be a pastor. <laughs> so um, I did. I, you know, we were, um, I was actually part of a, a network. Uh, this was, it was kind of, they, they called themselves non-denominational, but they were really Southern Baptists in the Columbus Central Ohio area. And I was a part of that church. And so they had a vision of planting churches all around the city. So I was selected to be one of those church planners. Okay. And so when I was, <clears throat> when I was in college um, down at Liberty, um, so I was working on this plan. I'd come back when I graduated from the university and we'd plan a church. And um, so we, we ended up planning a church back in Columbus, Ohio, after I got, after I graduated and did that was a pastor for a few years and <clears throat> had it in my mind. I thought, you know, it was interesting, even through all of that season of my life, I always had this sense that, um, that I was supposed to do something that I was my, I had mission. I, I was, I was supposed to do something here in this world. Right. I was here on purpose. I always had that deep kind of knowing and I wanted to help people. And I also wanted, um, I wanted the best of what life had to offer. So like in, in mm-hmm. those days it was like, whatever the church is supposed to be, I want that. Like, I want to be right. part of that. I want to create it. I want to experience it. Stuff I've read about, you know, I want that. And so I, in my mind, I thought, well, you know, I was very critical of churches and critical of the way they were doing things and thought, I'll just start my own and, you know, can't, you know, I was always blaming some leadership, some blaming some pastors. <laughs> and so your way was going to be the right way. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so we planted a church and yeah, about two years into it, I had this epiphany that even though um, all the metrics as far as how people define success. Cause I, we were asking that question like, well, how do you know if it's successful? How do you define success as a church? You know? And, and how the, did, how did you define success as a church back then? Well, the, the way we were taught, and this is just what we were taught from our peers and our, in our sure. network of churches. So we would, you know, cause again, we belong to this network network of churches. And so we'd get together once a month, all the, all the lead pastors of those right. churches would get together and we'd talk we'd shop. How's it going? Yeah. I called it the three B's buildings, bodies, and budgets. Yeah. Like, literally. That's how you define how's the building, how many bodies you got coming, how much money you got coming in buildings, bodies, budgets. So we were taught if your buildings, you know, if you're, if you're, if you got enough bodies coming in, then you can get a building. Right. And if you got a building, you know, and obviously you need funds to get the building. All of these are signs of growth, of success, that you're making a difference. That's how it was what we were taught. Because right. those people represent lives and that kind of thing. I get all that. But it, it was not satisfactory to me. I sat there and I just go, really? This is this is the kingdom of God in the world? Like, Is this it? Yeah. That's it? Right. Just very, very, not, didn't, I just saw through it. I just kind of was like in a... So that led me to taking a trip. So I, um, I took a summer and just said, I got to really kind of figure out. It's about, it's probably going on my almost third or fourth year as, as, as a pastor. And I said, let me, I need to take a summer, kind of clear my head a little bit and try to get 
figure this out. Like what, what are we doing here? Um, so I took, I ended up going with a team of people. We traveled, um, we went around the world, started with um, a three month trip and we wanted to go and just observe at the time it was like observe Christians, observe the church in different parts of the world outside the West, just to get a feel for what it was like. So okay. we started out in e- Egypt and then uh, made our way over to Israel, visit, went to the West Bank, the Palestinian territories, visited some of those folks, um, end up going to Jordan. Then we went up to Hong Kong, went to mainland China, spent time in China, traveled across the country in China, met with different underground groups. Oh, wow. Going, going to Tibet, spent some time in Tibet, oh, wow. went down That's to cool. Nepal, and then into India. And, uh, and then you know, I came back home. And that there's a lot that I, there's just something about when you get outside of your norm and what you've seen and just the, just, you understand that, okay, the boxes that I've been living in and how I've been perceiving. So looking, you know, seeing the world through this, these boxes, like that my box is just that it's a box, but reality goes beyond my boxes. So it may be in my box, but it's, it transcends my box. So I just, I came to the conclusion that um, what I had been building was a box, um, was a franchise, was a company, but it wasn't what the essence of what of what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the kingdom of God. Like that was something quite different. I mm-hmm. had no idea what that was. So that I ended up stepping down, and I knew I had to leave my position at that point. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, that was that was tumultuous times. I mean, that was my sure. livelihood. That's how I made money. It's how I got, you know, everything. So out of, out of curiosity during that time, as you were stepping down, how, how much, much apart, apart from being, being associated, associated to your, your, you know, your, your livelihood and things, things like that, that, how much, much of it was rooted in your identity, identity as, well? as well? Oh, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it, it was like suicide. Yes. So it was like, I was, I was step. So my ego, my construct, my whole egoic construct was rooted in this is what I do. This is who I am. I'm a pastor. It's what I am. So, because again, in that world, it was a office versus a function, <laughs> you know, yeah. obviously, you know, my understanding now is if you're a shepherd or somebody who cares for folks, that's just who you are, you know, as a person, it's not, it's not a title. It's not, right. not an office in that sense, but my chain, my thinking has changed on that over the years. But at the time I really didn't have a grasp on that. I just knew I couldn't do it in good faith anymore. So I'd end up walking away from that. And, um, I, yeah, I felt like I was losing my identity. So there was a scramble to find a new one. And I was trying to, I tried to latch onto some things and, you know, and I felt that pressure to figure it out. What are you going to do now? What do you, you know, and all, you know, all the questions. And so you went to school for this and, um, you created this church and now you're walking away from it. And people didn't understand that people on my staff, they were like, what's wrong with you? Are you lost your mind? Are you walking away? You're having a crisis of faith. Like what's, you know, there was all these questions. And of course, um, they felt some of those folks. So I would, when I would share about what I was learning or realizing, of course, they felt threatened by that because it was like, so what are you saying? So you know, we gave up. You know, we we've been laboring to build this thing right along with you. So are we wrong too? Is this? Oh wow, wow. You know, so it was hard for those folks to to understand. Like, so I I tried to walk that line of like, hey, this is just me processing where I'm at. Hey, where you're at's fine but it didn't always come out that way because I was pretty <laughs> vocal about what I was, sure. I, you know, I had, uh, so I'm, uh, you know, always wanted to communicate when I'm learning. So I would write and I had a blog you know, developed out of that and would write about things I'm learning that was not easy. And, you know, so 
that led me to confront a lot of pain. So a lot of issues in my own life, identity based issues. I didn't really know who I was and I had to face some shadows and there was trauma there, like childhood stuff that I didn't even realize was affecting me. So um, I've always been an addict uh, in that sense of addict of, of, um, uh, so when I was, when I was really young, I had some trauma in the area of, uh, just feeling abandoned and that kind of thing. So by the time I got in my teenage years, I turned to drugs, alcohol to like kind of satiate that uh, sure. relationships, a lot of enmeshment, kind of unhealthy relationships with, with girls. Um, and, um, but then when I became a born again Christian, I replaced those substances with religion. So it became my, my drug. So I, that's, it was, it numbed me. So being a pastor, being in leadership, building, doing, so at, when I went to, Liberty University, you know, we had a slogan that says, you know, be a champion for Christ, do great things for God. So I was out to make God happy. I was going to make God proud of me. I was going to prove to God that I was, you know, I was a servant. He could say, well done, good and faithful servant, you know, and I was, I was working really hard to make God happy. And, uh, but that was my addiction. So I was, on the <laughs> run. I was on the run from myself. I didn't know this. I think about what I personally experienced with like, so, so we were both pastors as well. We weren't like lead pastors or anything like that, but, but we were climbing the ladder. We were climbing the ladder. (laughs) So, so what, where I landed was I was a pastor. Basically the things that I like to do did not fit the mold of being a pastor. And then what ended up happening was through a conversation with me and the pastor I was asked to essentially step down because I wasn't fitting the mold of what had, what had been going on. So when that happened, I had no clue who I was because I'd spent from the time I was 17 to like 25 chasing that dream of being a pastor. Well, then the rug gets swept out from underneath me and my wife, who I was dating at the time, said, well, what are you going to do? Like, what do you even like to do? And I had no idea. No clue. Totally. So I can relate with that, what you were saying. I, and it, I like to kind of think sometimes that maybe I was robbed of feeling or feeling out who I was, or like I felt sometimes like a lot of other people, my peers were given the opportunity to figure out who they were and they had it figured out like years ahead of me. And so I saw guys that were super confident in who they were and, and I, I felt like I was playing catch up. Totally get that. I totally get that. And I feel like a lot of times in, in the, in organized religion or you know Christianity, sometimes uh, the church will see somebody, and again, it's a machine. I mean, again, people are good people everywhere, but I mean, like the machine itself needs to perpetuate itself, and so it's looking for 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 cogs to plug in the machine to make it work. Right, and so it'll right. see somebody and it'll pull you into that, and you kind of if you have a void and. You know, when we're developing, we're young. You, we don't know who. You know, we're just trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure out who we are. And what they do is uh, a lot of times. What that machine will do is it'll. It, oh, we can use that guy. Yeah, you know, we, they'll almost give you your identity for you. Totally, and that and that's that's a there's a seduction in that because we want right. that. We need that. We need a sense of like, yeah, let me. I want to feel. So for me, you know, I didn't feel significant in and of myself. I didn't understand the significance of my own being because of issues I've had growing up. So I was looking for someone to give that to me and right. certain relationships I was looking to, to, to give it to me. And eventually it was my position, how right. people, how people reacted to me. And, and, and uh, that gave me a lot of, you know, significance or a sense of significance in that. And, and that, yeah. you know, was, it was an addiction. 
that became an addiction and that led me down a road for a long time. And I, I didn't realize I was on the run because I didn't, if, if I stopped doing that, which is ultimately what happened when I eventually I stepped down, I began to feel. And sometimes what you, I have a friend that says, what you don't feel, you can't heal. But a lot of times we're afraid to, we're afraid to heal it, feel it because it's like, if I feel it, it feels too, it's like, it's going to overtake me. It, it, that, that darkness can seem too big. Mm. And, um, but eventually it catches up with you. So, or you're even taught that like that darkness is a demon, you know? <laughs> so then you're like, Oh, I'm doubting what the church is teaching me. So now I have this conviction that I'm not supposed to feel. Yeah. So you walked outside, walked outside the umbrella of God's protection and now you're, yeah. Yeah. And now, yeah. So all of that kind of thing. And, um, that, but I had to go, I had to go there. And what that ended up doing is like, you meet your shadow in that place. And so life came eventually several years after that. I, um, and went through a divorce, I lost just about everything came to the point where I just didn't want to live. I just was done with life and, um, didn't care, uh, if I lived or died. I mean, I don't think I ever lost faith in that in the existence of god but like my understanding of what that god was or is is i didn't know i had no clue no concept of that and And that feels it's so from your story it feels like that started at a very young age anyway totally because i i felt like i was following i was following the the promptings which i I still believe that but where god was leading me was to darkness (laughs) was leading me into the darkness that's cool. But it, but it's that's where you find what is real. You know, again, God will lead us out. I, I heard someone say, Jesus will come to make you into an atheist of the God of your own construction. So it's um, because the construct that we have been given of God is an illusion. So a lot of folks are hanging on to this illusion because they're afraid. Like, well, if I let go of the illusion, man, I'll be, I'll be, there's a chasm and I'll be lost. And like, no, no, you can't. I always tell people when they're afraid of this journey, I always say, Hey, you know, that Bible verse says that God is the author and perfecter. Like that's, that's true. You don't have to worry. God is the author and perfecter. You can just enjoy the ride, cooperate because it works better when you, you know, you, you can't fight the tide when you're standing on the beach, you know, you can't, you can try. It's just, it's, it doesn't work as well. So just cooperate, allow, ask the questions, follow the promptings, let it lead you where it's going to lead you. You're okay. Cause you're not alone. You know, the author and perfecter. So yeah. I think, I think just, just to kind of go, go off of that, that now you started with there, there like the people, people saying, well, if I, if, if I, I fall into the darkness, darkness I'll get lost. Hmm. I felt like that caused me to begin to trust in like, okay, now I have to start filling the walls here. Now I got to start really mapping out where I really am. Mm. Well, the hard part is we, we would have never phrased it like this. We wouldn't have used this language. It was very much kind of ingrained into me and the both of us, probably into you. You don't ask certain questions. You don't go down that path. I went one time and I've, I don't know how you are. I used to be very, uh, I would always explore, and when I would explore, I would play the devil's advocate in the wrong setting. So when I went through my Calvinist stage, I don't know if you had a Calvinist stage. Oh, big time. Yeah. <laughs> John, Rough, John Piper. I went, I went to a Sunday school class at a very not Calvinist church and just poked the bear, man. And, uh, you know, I think that's the unhealthy response to asking questions and, and, and dealing with doubt. 
But I, I think that my response to that, the reason that I behaved that way, I think was because I was just so scared of asking those questions, of challenging things that I was told that were just concrete. And so with, you know, just the way I'm wired was, well, I'll just, if I make a big enough splash, you know, it's kind of like the loudest, the loudest bark wins or whatever. And so I think that was my approach instead of having a healthy, you know, the last couple of years, our approach has been at least a, an attempt at humbly walking out and just being like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know this. I don't know this. I mean, being okay, okay to not know. know. That's, That's what's yeah. been cool, cool for me. me. Yeah. Yeah, I th- beliefs are overrated. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but I think beliefs are because beliefs are often a cover for insecurity. So of of, of not so you have to have this strong belief because if you don't, what? But see, you can know things without belief. So it's right. it, you know, faith and belief are not the same thing. You can have faith <laughs> and you don't have to have belief. So a baby, so knowledge of just. So faith, you know, depends on how you understand that word. Some people use it as like faith is like just this blind hope. And like, I just believe it. I don't know why. And I don't really, it's just kind of like this, you know, but to go back to the Bible is there's a scripture that says faith is the evidence of things unseen. It's the assurance. Uh, so, so kind of going with that is, you know, a baby can feel very safe. A baby can feel very, can feel loved. Baby doesn't have any beliefs. Yeah, right. It's not belief based. It's being based. So, so there's a d- difference between having a faith that's rooted wow. in beliefs and a faith that's rooted in being. So, that, so like even you know, the scripture talks about be still and know that I am God. But the, even the name of God is I am. So it's like be still and know that I am. I like to just I am. It's just be still. No. How how can you actually know God through stillness? It's not belief. It's not knowledge. It's being based, but that's the true knowledge. That's the true essence of being. So again, I didn't understand any of that. It was literally rooted in doctrine and creeds and belief systems. And all of these things are going to come and go. So if you're rooted, and if your sense of identity and a sense of well-being is tied to belief systems, then you can't change. You can't evolve. You can't grow. You can't ask questions. Because if you ask questions, what's, what are your questions? Your very own being. That'll, that'll lead you to a crisis. <laughs> But you don't need it. Uh, you can you can know who you are and have no beliefs. <laughs> and it really it really had me at one point. I remember telling Nichols like, "Man, I'm really wrestling with these things, mm. and I'm so I know I know I feel comfortable somewhere in me, heart, head. I'm not sure somewhere in me feels comfortable wrestling through these things. The other part of me is going, "Am I going to die and go to hell?" <laughs> and, and I don't think I'm there anymore. I don't think either one of us are there anymore. But I think that. I think that first year of not going to church, stepping completely out of it, I've told you multiple times, man, I feel like I've found more of who Jesus is Oh, totally! by not going to church and getting to know and caring about the people that are around me that I never would have given the chance to even be around. But yeah, I, I just remember being like, holy crap, like I'm actually getting to hang out with people that I never would have had the time of day for because I was so involved with the church. I th- I really do feel like I found more of who Jesus is yeah. and was just through living. Yeah. Well, the message, the message is quite simple. You know, the, the message of Jesus of the kingdom of God is, you know, it's like the king, you know, he, you know, he was showed up to people that were looking for it future. It's out there. 
basically it's kind of like, you know, obviously the evangelicals have taken it and said, Oh, it, you know, you, if you know the right things, when you die, you'll go to heaven in the future. But then Jesus come, but hit the essence of, so the Jews were kind of different. They were looking for this external Messiah to come and bring a kingdom. And it was going to be in the future and everything was going to be great. And then Jesus shows up and says, it's already here. It's within you. <laughs> Wait, yeah. the kingdom of heaven is within you. What does that even mean? And so, you know, that's a pretty simple message and it's now. So walk in it. <laughs> yeah. Simple. It's simple. It's a simple message, yeah. but you can't get there when you're outsourced, when you're chasing it, when you're looking forward to it, because whatever you chase, right. you never have. I always tell right. people like, if you go, to, if you go to a bar and the sign says free beer tomorrow, when do you actually get the beer? If the sign always says free beer tomorrow, you never get it. Because every time you show up, it's tomorrow that you get it. You know, it's never tomorrow. Every day you wake up, it's today. That's why even the, even the Bible says today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's today. What day do you live in? Oh, it's always today. It's always now. So life, it's today. It's right now. It's being. And I believe that's the essence of Jesus' message. So so then, just to be clear, you don't necessarily necessarily believe in a heaven after you die? Or, or do you? Well, okay, it's a great question. I actually don't even, and I know this is semantics to some degree, but I, I think it's a point worth making. I actually don't think death, um, and this will get to my story a little bit, death is not actually real. It's a perception. So, and what I mean by it, so there's no life after death, there's just life. That's how I would okay. put it. Now, do I believe life goes on, goes on beyond the body? Of course, I actually don't think life is happening in the body. Uh, the way we think it is. Okay. And that's a whole other conversation. But I mean, if you think about it, the body, um, our essence as a person is it goes beyond the, the physical human, human body. The human body is, and we know this even from quantum science. Okay. So everything that exists, every tangible, all the material things that exist in the world, everything, if you boil it down, if you look at it close enough in a, with a microscope, you'll get down to atoms and then atoms are made up of nucleus and you have protons and electrons. And if you keep looking at it close enough, it's everything's just a sound wave and a light wave. It's light particles and sound. And so nothing actually appears the way it is in, at its root substance. And if you keep looking at it close enough, it's nothing. Um, it goes down to the, so in quantum science, they, they consider, they, there's four kinds of energy, not to get off on that, but the all kinds, all the energy that everything in the universe is consisted of either electromagnetic energy gravitational energy there's a thing called strong side forces and weak side forces these are the four elements of all everything in the universe is made up of those four types of energy and they used to think that those were four independent kinds of energy existed and now with the breakthroughs in quantum science we know all all those four energies come from one source they actually say it's an unseen field that's called the unified field some some other folks um, mathematicians will call it the field of infinite possibilities spiritual yeah. terms we understand that to be the unseen so yeah. christ is the visible image of the invisible so uh richard Rohr, if you're familiar with, the, with, with yeah. richard Rohr, he, he wrote a book called the universal christ and so i was about to ask you if some of this was i i've read i've read about half of that book i haven't read the whole thing yet totally so it, he was going to call it before that book came out he he was going to call it we actually had him had him on our show um, yeah and we and he's one of the things that he said was he, at the time, he was going to call it Christ, another name for everything. That was the original understanding. Right. So Christ is the visible form of the invisible. So if you think about it, everything that is visible and exists is an appearance of the invisible. So our being, who we are, is an expression 
of that invisible, but we're not actually. So when we're a body identified to this body, then we have no concept of who we are because who are we? We are spiritual beings at the core. I believe that we're spiritual beings, but spirit has no, what are the dimensions of spirit? What, what are the borders of it? So we're made in the image and likeness of God who is spirit. So what are the borders of God? What's the circumference of God? What's the, you can't, these are just transcend space and time. So we're having a physical appearance of a physical existence, but it's not actually how it is. So, so there's just life and there's being, and we're energy too. We're also energy. So energy doesn't, you can't create it or destroy it according to science 101. It, it, it just changes form. So what helped me, and, I'll, and I'll, I want to get to you because I think you had a question here. What helped me in my deconstruction process when I hit rock bottom, was in the darkest place in my life, didn't even want to live, is I, I actually heard deep in my being, I actually, I was literally at the lowest point, ready to die. And I heard just in my being, somebody just speak to me and say, I want you to do research on folks that have had near-death experiences that have actually died and have come back. And I want you just to become a student of their stories and listen to their stories. And what I learned from hearing across the board, people who have had near-death experiences from different uh, socioeconomic backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, different religious backgrounds, they said the same thing every all over the world. Not only had, was this a new phenomenon, this phenomenon had been going on for thousands of years were these right. stories and they were the stories were the same stories and there were similar themes and that brought me back to life and to started me on my journey what i would call my reconstruction journey into reality it's not belief based it's just reality based i don't know if that makes sense but that's sure. really what so it, again they had experiences after they left the body after they died and one of the things that they talked about was they were shocked that they didn't lose consciousness that they didn't lose being they they were shocked because they were like wait i'm dead but i'm here i still have being i still have awareness self-consciousness still have experience and then what they experienced was you know tremendous that's but that was that was key very pivotal for me well that's incredible so i i like how you said it you make that distinction between coming from a more systematic approach to belief Mm -hmm. To where your faith is. I mean, we all we all seminary had the systematic theology books. Sure. We literally have built these blocks for our faith. Mm. Yeah, to define God and define practice. Mm. So when you did re-enter and begin reconstructing, I mean, I know for me, my biggest temptation is is I am now so hardwired for systems. And I want to be told that this is how the Lego pieces connect. And it's so freeing yet you know, you hear this, you hear the stories of guys who spend their whole life in prison and finally get out and don't know what to do. Oh yeah. That's kind of how, how I've have felt at times. It's like, Oh my goodness. Institutionalization. Yeah. Totally get it. So how did you, how did you begin? I know you didn't systematically build it and go, okay, well, this is what I believe about, you know, T and U and L, you know, to, to bring up our old Calvinist language. But you know, I, I know a common path for many of us is, it sort of begins one question and one answer at a time where we go, what's the Bible say about this? Oh, what do I think about the Bible? Oh, oh crap. crap. And then all of a sudden you're going, God, God who? <laughs> yeah. The way, have you guys, are you guys familiar with the matrix? The movie, the yeah. film, the matrix. Okay. So oh, yeah. that's, that's an interesting film. So once somebody realized, once he realized Neo, the, the character, once he realized that he was in plugged into a matrix and that everything that he thought was reality was a computer projection. <laughs> which is kind of a great analogy. So he came, when he came out of it, it was initial, it was like very shocking. 
but the real world was there. So he was in this real world, which was this underground world in the future and that kind of thing. And he started to really, he just looked around and he realized he's like, okay, that's, uh, you don't actually need a belief system or a systematic theology to just recognize what is real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just, you go, Oh, cause when the illusion falls away, what's real remains. It's just, just there. And that's how I've, that's how it's felt to me. So I didn't feel the need to try to make sense of it. I just, I started rec- I just recognized things and recognition at the, at the spirit, at the being level, you just kind of, mm, okay, I don't, I don't always understand it. My mind doesn't always grasp certain mm-hmm. things, but it's, it's just, it's a recognition. It's like, yeah, okay. I see that. Just, it's just a knowing it's not dogma based. So it's not, um, and, it, and once you know something at that level, you're not threatened by what other people may feel is different than that. Cause it's like, uh, okay. They may have a different belief. They may have a different understanding. And it's like, okay. Cause it's not dependent upon agreement. Belief systems are, you know, creedal statements. These require a uh, coalesce of thought. Everybody has to be on the same page or else we're threatened by that person who doesn't think the way we do. And again, we started, so early Christianity days, you know, right after Jesus, I mean, it was called the way, a, a way to be human, a new way to live. And it was not monolithic. There were lots of different kind of, there were a whole kind of streams of things. But you know how it works, you know, eventually that human beings want, certainty and so that's a psychological need that we all have is to feel okay is the ground i'm standing on solid is this chair going to hold me up am i in a safe place that's the that's actually a psychological need for certainty there's nothing wrong with it it's just where are you going to get it from if you get it from a belief system well then that belief system has to be rock solid and none of them are so because you know and and you're 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 going to grow and change even your none, none of us I always tell people, like, if you believe the exact same things you did 10 years ago, you might be stuck. However, <laughs> if, you, if your identity and sense of being, psychological sense of certainty is tied to that belief system, then you can't change. So you're, you're going to be stuck and you don't feel good about being stuck, but at the same time, it's your whole set. So people need to feel like I'm on solid ground, what I'm standing on. But that is a, that, that's, a, that's a state of being. It's, the misnomer is I have to understand how it all works out here in order to get to that psychological state. We don't. You can actually feel very grounded and certain in, at the level of being, just like a baby does. I mean, even Jesus talked about, you know, if you want to enter the kingdom, you, you enter in as a child would. Ch- children are, are not dogmatic. They don't have these beliefs. They don't have it all figured out, but they come with their being with their, their ideally. That's the idea is that they're very, you start always tell people when you, when a baby is born, they experience life as it, as they are about two years old, you start to develop psychology. You start to develop this um, identity, a story that's separate from right. awareness from being, and then you, that's trauma. That's why they call it the terrible twos. And there's a trauma there. And then there's a story that gets, and they develop that story. A lot of it has to do with our parents and how we're growing up. And then we experience life. Instead of experiencing life as us, we experience life that happens to us, which we feel like a victim a lot of times. And then always stop. And people, most people get stay there. They get stuck there and they don't ever get out of that. They're just reacting to the story that this is what's happening to me. And then when there's an awakening, awakening goes, Oh, wait a minute. Life, Life happens by me. So I'm actually doing a lot of this. So a lot of I've realized at some point, oh, a lot of the pain, I've been actually perpetuating it by my need for certainty. I've been, I've been like perpetuating this, this whole cycle yeah. in my life. But then you get to a point where then you experience, which I really believe is what Jesus was talking about when he talks about entering the kingdom. Then you experience life as you. 
So, or through you, you experience life at, at, through you. So life has a sense of like, it's coming through you, through your body, through your, but that's really, we're getting connected back to source in the sense of just being aware of that source essence, which is God. And we are the image and likeness that's coming. It's coming through this body and we're living life in that manner. And that's a very different way to live. But that to me is this essence flow. So when Jesus said, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, like, Hey, if you're weary and heavy laden and weighed down, like, look, learn from me because I'm living life. It's easy. I mean, that's a crazy statement. It's like, yeah, it's just flowing because you, it's flow. It's you're in that, in that place. And that's, um, babies do it really well. <laughs> So, but we're coming back to that. It's not belief-based. I love this, this direction that, that where you've taken it, when you say um, being and flow, and I have to stop to think about that concept. Mm. You know, I'm so, um, we, I, we are so, as a culture in a world, just inflamed by everything you were just describing that Mm -hmm. um, this is going to sound really kind of, Weird and hippie probably, but uh, here lately I've been doing these like breathing exercises, Mm -hmm. meditation, breathing. I don't know what you want to call it. I found this guy named Wim Hof on the internet. No way. I love Wim Hof. You know Wim Hof? Totally. The Iceman. The Iceman. Yeah, dude. He's got the, he's got, he's discovering the secret, man. The secret of the kingdom. It is crazy. So I was sitting there the other day, guilty pleasures, taking a nice bath. You know, it is what it is. So I get done with my bath. I let the, the tub drain. I do my thing. And I'm sitting in the bath and I was like, you know what? I think I'll do me some Wim Hof breathing. So I'm like laying there. Beautiful. You know, doing this thing. And I begin to, I just, you know, your body does, I don't know if you've done it yourself, but your body, you physically feel it. I say all that to say that I'm I'm in this state of like relaxing and, you know, breath work. My mind is clear. My mind, is, I'm not thinking about really anything but focusing on my breath, you know, everything's in me. And when I got done, man, there was such a sense of peace. Peace. Yes. Yeah. Peace. <laughs> well, isn't that the markers of the kingdom? Okay. So you, if you want to use biblical language, Paul says, this is the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, control of the self, self-control. And, and this is the essence. Okay. So what is that? So what is the spirit? Where is the spirit? But all these, this, this is source. So how do you get there? Now, again, this goes back thousands of years, you know, breath work is essential. So we have two operating systems in the body that there's the, 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 the more primitive operating systems lays, lays at the base of the brain. It's, they call it the sympathetic nervous system. It's fight or flight. It's, you know, it's all of that. And then, of course, there's another operating system that is very different than the sympathetic. It's called the parasympathetic nervous system. And it's really, it's, it's, it's based around the heart. And the heart is an interesting organ. It's a metaphor, in my opinion. Um, but it's, it has its own, it gives off its own energy. So you, it actually yeah. will have its own field. Um, it can operate outside the body, only organ that can operate outside the body. And it's, uh, it, there's a, it's called the parasympathetic nervous system. And there's actually brain cells or neuro, neural cells that are around the heart. And it, the studies have shown that it, we, we have commonly thought that the brain is directing everything, but it's actually the heart is sending signals to the brain. So this parasympathetic nervous system responds to not the fight or flight state, but states of peace, states of joy, states of tranquility, all these things. So um, when Jesus, so Jesus taught a lot of things. And he would talk about, you know, love your enemies, 
do good to those who hurt you and persecute you. And so in the fighter, so if we're operating from the parasympathetic or the sympathetic nervous system, which is all fight or flight, we go, we go, man, that's a, well, maybe someday when I get to heaven, I could do that. You know, when I get sanctified and being like, you know, it's like, well, but Jesus isn't talking about that. He's saying, this is just another way to live. Well, how are you going to live that way? The only way to really live that way is when you're tapped into this, what I call the parasympathetic nervous system. And to give you an example of this, so there was this lady, a friend of mine who's a coach was working with this lady and does this exercise of doing breath work of how to drop from the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system and how to drop into your heart, what he calls it, like drop into your heart. So he was doing this exercise through breath work of how to do it. And so anyway, long story short, this lady was at Walmart, I think. <laughs> she moved to a different part of the country. She was at Walmart late at night. She was going into the store. Some guy comes up and grabs her to mug her, has a knife, and he grabs her from behind. And obviously, immediately, you, what happens when that happens is your sympathetic nervous system kicks in, fight or flight, you get scared, you're going to do And then she remembered her training how to drop into the, her heart. So she does. She does some breath work right there in the moment, drops into her heart, and immediately she's overcome with love. What, what came Whoa. to her was hug this man. Just hug him. <laughs> give him this love. Give him all the love in your being. And she did. She hugged him. And he drops the knife and takes off running. And, he, and, and then, of course, you know, there were bystanders. People out there saw it. She was kind of shaken up, though. She dropped her wallet. She ends up getting in a car and going home. Well, the next day, the police show up at her house. So, is this your wallet? Is this your ID? I'm like, yeah, it's mine. It's like, were you attacked last night? And she said, yes, I was. And he's like, you know, well, you were, you know, there were some witnesses that saw it. And, and the police said, well, I got to ask you a question. Like, did you hug that man? And she goes, well, I did. And he was like, can you tell me why you did that? She said, well, I have gone through this training and this is kind of, I learned that I can respond best when I'm in my heart, not when I'm in fear mode. And this is what came to me. And he was like, well, it probably saved your life or at least, you know, but the man who, um, that you attacked you turned himself in and uh, has confessed to it. And he wants to talk to you because he said that whatever you did to him changed his life and he can't get it out of his mind. And he wants to talk to you and to know why you did what you did and what happened to him because he's not been the same since. And I love to tell that story because that's the kingdom. That's another, that's, a, that's in us. So Jesus is appealing to that place. He's saying, look, and the teachings he's giving, the new commandments, why is it new? Because it's, it's not old. It's different from the old. Because the old commandments are about restraining the primitive yep. behavior system. But there's a new commandment and the new way of thinking and the new, this new realm, heaven, you know, pray this way, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. But where is that? It's within you. Where is heaven? kingdom of heaven where is it it's within you so when you tap into this place which we know now is the sympathetic nervous system there's a realm there there's a you're tapping into source power source energy which i believe is love because what is god god is love and this is the energy that upholds and sustains everything so when we are operating from that the teachings of jesus they're natural their flow they flow from that place so it's a breath work is essential to that because when you breathe through breath work, you're tapping, you're stimulating what they call the vagus nerve, which takes you from the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system. That's the technical explanation of why breath work is so important. Meditation, breathing, these things. Be still and know. Okay, how do you be still? What happens when you're still? You're breathing. You're breathing. In your, your stillness, you get focused on breath work. That's why there's such power there. And in that place, you become... 
your body functions better. So the Wim Hof, interesting thing, now we're going through a pandemic, but you know, they've injected that guy with viruses. Like, oh yeah. They've stuck and he just immune to his it. body rejected. Uh, I can't remember. I, it, something, something. I don't, I don't remember know what it was. Yep. Yeah. He can regulate. He can keep his body in the state called homeostasis. But by the way, people who meditate tend to have uh, almost invincible immune systems but for that very yeah. reason. Yeah. Wow. Well, and what's interesting is I, I remember being younger and uh, people talking about yoga. And I mean, let's be honest, in, in America, yoga just means you're stretching. I mean, it's there, it's not even <laughs> right. Most people aren't doing yoga from any kind of spiritual stance. Some people are. But, you know, I remember being taught that meditation, these words, these were like new, new agey, spiritual, bad things, you know. Right. Open and, yourself up uh, to a demon. Exactly. Demon. So yeah. the ironic part is what you're saying, right, is is be still and know that I'm God. So there's some freedom. There's some uh, sense of revelation. There's some sense of, of finding of truth in what we're discussing. But it's the same thing that as as young men and young women, we're taught, hey, don't go there. Great. Well, how do you know what's true? That's the thing. It's like, how do you know what's true? Do you need to read it in a book? Well, then the early Christians were, were kind of, they're illiterate. Most of them were illiterate. They can't right. read anything. And there was no book the way we have it today. But aside from that, Jesus talked about it. A good tree, a good teacher bears good fruit. Bad teaching, teacher teaches. So bad teaching bears bad fruit. What is fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience. So if, you, if there's a theology or a belief system that you're believing in that's producing fear, that by very definition is bad fruit. Right. So right. It's, that gives me so much hope in, in doubting. You know what I mean? Totally. See, truth is always where it's self-referential. You don't need to be told what joy is because you, so, so Jesus is saying, look, look at the fruit. So you'll know what kind of teaching it is. If it's true teaching or if it's false teaching, because it'll produce fruit. So where do you experience fruit internally? Joy, peace, patience, all these things are internal. They're subjective. You know it, though. So that's why Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Well, well how do you define freedom? You don't need to. It doesn't need to be defined. You already know what it is wow. at the yeah. internal level. So it's, uh, it's, it's really huge to go back to that and say, you know, truth is something that when you hear it, you go, yeah. Where, why do you say yeah? Because you know it. It's already in there. It's like revelation is like remembering. It's revelation. It's a re coming back to, oh yeah, that's right. Which by the way, the folks who have NDEs, when they have this other experience in this other realm beyond the body, they go, oh, I'm from here. Oh, I remember this. Oh yeah. That's, that's the experience. Wow. wow. Jamal, I could, I could keep asking questions and I'm sure you could tell us all kinds of stuff. I think that, my last question would be in my stages of deconstruction and reconstruction, I've held on to certain phrases or mantras, if you will. I think the last one that, that I've talked a lot about on the podcast is that like, if you treat your faith as facts, you treat people differently than if your faith is hope. Mm. My question is, has there been, or is there like a mantra that you live by currently or something that keeps you grounded in your reconstruction phase or where you're at now? That's a great question. A mantra. I love mantras, by the way, because um, they're grounding. I like this. This might sound crazy, but I like the, and Jesus said it, but I like it to say it, to repeat it. I am the resurrection and the life. And I say, I am the resurrection and the life. And by I, I don't mean Jamal. 
just like, I don't think Jesus was referring to his storied self, but he's referring back to this place of, here's what's interesting. And this is hard for, uh, this is going to be really difficult for people to like understand because I don't think you, but when you are still and you say, I am, be still and be still and know that I am. Okay. The, the name of God as revealed to Moses was, Moses was thinking about God from a primitive Middle Eastern Semitic kind of worldview and tell us your name. All those tribes have their name. The gods have their names. You know, yeah. tell us your name. Yeah. And, and God's like, not going to give you a name. You want to know my truest name? Just being itself. Being isness consciousness itself. So when you are still, that's the only place you, when you, when you become really still and you get beyond your own story, your own ego, your own construct, then all you're left with is just being itself. Be still and know that I am be still. So, and what, what is that at that level? I'm life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the embodiment of that for us, but we are like him, according to the Bible. We we are. As he is in the world, so are we. So at the essence level, beyond our own body, beyond our own story, there's just being. And so our source of our life is coming from the source. And so I am. So I like that. I like the, the, the mantra of I am. What are you? I am. I, am, I exist. Mm. I am. I am. I'm being. I'm here. Wow. I'm essence. That grounds me into yeah. the source. I love that. Well, man, we don't want to keep you too much longer. This is we could do this. We could have so many episodes out of out of a conversation with you, man. This has been so great. I guess true heresy end, though. This is heretical. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> they burned yeah. us at the stake a few hundred years ago for having this conversation. I it's guess okay. I've been there. I've been there. there. So let me ask you one final question, and then uh, and then I want, if you will, after this, g- give us a way that we can maybe find you, website, books, things like that, podcasts. I feel like we've got a pretty blended audience. Our listeners are everyone from people who are searching, exploring, not even you know Christians, as we say. Um, and then we've got a lot of like mainstream evangel- evangelical church going, you know, totally folks. What are some good resources, be that books or podcasts or just, you know, just stuff that you're aware of that might be a good starting place for people who hear this episode and say, hey, I'd like to dive in a little further. You know, a great, a great book. It's, it's, okay. For evangelical folks who are, who love, love God and love the truth, so to speak, and, and, and are open, don't feel afraid. You know, if you're afraid, like I always tell people, look, if you're afraid of being deceived around a road, that's okay. That's totally fine. It's not sure, a problem. Right. Just be where you are, you know, and be... That's okay. Um, but if you're curious and hungry, open, um, there's a book called What is the Bible by Rob Bell that yeah. I think would, can be really helpful for folks who are just trying to grasp, like, what is it? What is this thing? How do I approach it? How do I understand it? Um, there's another book called Disarming Scripture by, um, I want to say Derek Flood, but I think that may be the author, but it's Disarming Scripture. That's a powerful book about um, just how to approach it. And, and just like, there's a, there's a, it's a conversation, you know, from Genesis to revelation, there's a conversation that's going on in which things are evolving. And so if we look at this, this, the Bible as this flat thing that you just read it and everything's just true and you don't question it. I mean, like you're going to miss the beauty of there is an evolution of thought that's going on. People's thoughts are changing about lots of things throughout this. Right. And you have to be able to see it and appreciate that arc, so to speak. So, it is by Derek Flood, by the way. Derek Flood, okay. Yeah, those are two yeah. great books for folks in that camp. Another, Excellent. Um, if you're not in the evangelical camp and <laughs> you're okay with like kind of going beyond that, there is a book um, 
it's it's uh, if you're interested in Eastern thoughts, you know, I actually think we're having one conversation. I don't see it East and West. And by the way, the folks from the East came in the story in the Bibles when they they read the stars, astrology, and came and found Jesus. You know, in the I know a guy who did his whole dissertation based on that, and and was pointing out that in the language he used, he was basically saying, "Hey, the the three wise men were into some pagan stuff, basically, or whatever." Yeah, I mean, it's it's really one conversation, you know. So there was a guy who wrote a book. So there's a guy from India came uh, to the United States around the turn of the 20th century, and he was convinced. He felt like I'm here to to, to help Western Americans understand the true teachings of Jesus because it's been clouded. The teachings of Jesus were clouded through Christianity, and he wanted to reintroduce. So he wrote a book called The Yoga of Jesus. I've heard of that book. Yogananda, Paramansa Yogananda is, uh, it's really, he actually introduced the concept of yoga to the West and, um, and now I'm not talking about stretching. I'm going to make the essence of it, <laughs> but he gets into his propositions that Jesus was teaching to the Jewish audience, what a lot of the yogis and folks un- understood in the Eastern, you know, in sure. Tibet, India, those places. So, and then he, he, his belief is that there's records in, in Tibetan monasteries of Jesus visiting there. So like, you know, that they, they came, he's like, you know, they came when he was born, but that communication didn't stop there. So we don't have a lot of records of Jesus um, between 12 and 30, but there's a lot of, un, there's a lot of belief in the East and Tibetan places that Jesus came with his uncle, uh, rich, his rich uncle, um, Arimathea, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who did a lot of trading on the Silk Road between the Middle East and, you know, in the, in the, Near East or the the you know the Tibetan India those places so there's actually records in this is what Yogananda talks about there's records in these Tibetan monasteries of a rabbi or a future rabbi somebody who's esteemed with his people uh, someone who's recognized as a spiritual leader for the Jewish people that would come and he's learned all these things and so he writes a book called the Yoga of Jesus which you know regardless of whether you believe that story or not the te- that what I have found in that book is like wow the the teachings of Jesus really seem to come a, come to life in sure. when it's seen outside the context of this rigid us versus them kind of sectarianism yeah, that yeah. typically gets boiled. And so it's really a beautiful conversation. And, you know, it, it does direct you back to the gospels. You read the teachings. And of course he's like extrapolating on them. This guy who's a Hindu guy or whatever. I don't even know what he would call himself, but he's a yogi, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he was a missionary to America. Yeah. He was a missionary to America. <laughs> he wrote a book called the yoga of Jesus. Cause he's like, Christians don't understand. It's so funny, well, man. This has been this has been so good, man. Thank you so much. We're honored that you would uh, take the time out of your evening to hang out with us and to respond to our emails and the whole the whole thing. So where can where can our listeners find more out about you? I'd love for them to get some resources to read about you and check out your podcasts. Totally. Uh, my website is jamaljavanji.com. I'm on Facebook, Jamal Javanji on Instagram. I um, have a coaching page. I'm a life coach. So uh, free to free to love coaching is uh, my my coaching page. I have a I have a group on Facebook called it's a it's called uprooting from the poverty mindset. That's also uh, it's a subgroup within um, with my coaching page and my book. It's called Living for a Living. That came out through Choir last year. You can always, all that's can be found on Amazon. But all that all those resources, my book and all that can be found on my website jamaljafanji.com. Okay, yeah, perfect, awesome. man. And also Heretic Happy Hour. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't forget that one. Cause we love it. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so really glad you guys are enjoy, enjoy that podcast. It's, it's a lot of fun. Those guys are fun. And I'll try to keep my co-host from uh, harassing your hotline from 
now on. So. Thank you for calling. The, you know, I'm a champion of that hotline. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jamal, it's been great, man. Thank you so much. And uh, survive this quarantine, man. Do your breath work. Yeah. Totally, totally. And you guys too. And thank you for having me. Thank you for hosting these conversations. It's important. You Absolutely. Bet. Thank you so much. All right, man. We'll have a great evening and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Man, that was uh, interesting and mind blowing. Man, I, I was really, that, that was, a, I, I'm going to have to listen. I just said this to you, but I, um, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this episode again. Like by myself, like I don't typically, li- apart from editing, I don't typically listen to our episodes just for fun. Like I like to hear what we say and stuff and how we can improve our audio. But I'm going to have to go back and listen to this because a lot of the stuff he was saying was, I mean, I was having to process it, dude. And I, how much, you know, we always joke about the cognitive dissonance thing. Did you feel that at all? No, actually it kind of, it gave words to what I've been feeling for a long time. So I've actually told you a lot, like I'm totally okay with not knowing but I haven't known how to really say it. Just being, just being like, I've been okay with just being, I want to just be, I want to be myself. I want to be me. I want to like, I'm okay with not knowing everything. I'm okay with questions. I'm okay with other people telling me, well, this is the way. Okay, that's cool. That's cool for you. Like, I, I just want to be me. What I found so interesting was that he, he uh, I think, had a great balance of totally preaching this message of, you know, being and God being the I am and that whole thing. But clearly, this is no idiot that just, like, doesn't care about anything. Like, he's, he's educated. He's well-studied, at least. Whether you agree with him or disagree with him on anything he said, you can at least go... You know he's a smart guy, and I right. thought I thought his balance was when that gave me more of a a drive to. He gave me a lot of hope and a lot of peace in the areas that I feel a little shaky on. You know, like sure. this, the stuff I don't know, and you know that that pressure that we're having to constantly shed of of not knowing all the answers. It gave me a lot of peace and hope in that, but it also gave me a bit of a drive to go, man. I want to study more, not from a systematic right. approach. It, it's like we were talking uh, a few days ago. The journey itself is, I think, where the growth happens. Right. Like, I think when when we go back to his what he said about the systematic thinking and stuff like that, it's like once we have all the answers, it's like that's the mountaintop. But, you know, most most of your adventure is not sitting on the mountaintop. It's 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 the point A to point B. And I'm, I don't know. I'm just really intrigued by a lot of what he said. I'm going to have to go. The near-death experience stuff was really crazy. I'm gonna have to read up about that. That's wild. The- well, even even him starting out with like having a Catholic mom and a Muslim dad, like both of them being devout, right? And him not really even knowing what to believe, you know, or what Jesus was, or who he was, or if he was the Messiah, or if he was just another god, or he was kind of probably at tug of war as a child, you know, devout Catholic, devout Muslim, like oh yeah. And then all of a sudden, like he said, he was born again. I mean, that's just really interesting. Whatever that process looked like for him when he really started to shed the skin, I bet he really felt a sense of freedom. You know, it's funny, a lot of what his story is parallels ours in a lot of ways. You know, specific things, like specific mental and emotional things that he experienced that you've described, specific like life circumstances, divorce and things like that that I've experienced. Right. It was like he, he paralleled a lot of, the different stories that you and I represent. And so, 
I know for me, when I first begin to question things, not question, when I first begin to be okay with questioning, right? That's when I was like, you know what, it feels really good, and I have a, I have a tendency not to people please necessarily, but to want to believe all the right things for the people uh, that I'm around. So I don't, I'm not gonna believe this over here and believe this over here with these different people, but I'm typically my disposition is gonna be to kind of tame all that a little bit to know that I can just go, you know what? I don't know. I don't know about this right. or that. I thought it was really good. That was really good for me because it gave me language to what I've been experiencing and feeling a lot. Yeah, I totally agree, man. I thought it was a overall a really great conversation and I feel, um, I hope that you guys liked it. <laughs> that gave hope for the people that are evangelicals, for the people that don't go to church, for the people that are searching for truth, for the people that feel like they know truth. Yeah, I was going to say, even for the people that are, I mean, I hope that the people that listen to that and don't agree with every single thing that Jamal said, that you said, or that I said, I hope they can look at this conversation and go, you know what, like, I don't have to agree with this person, but um, hopefully they can at least find something positive in the conversation. But more than that, maybe maybe he said something that gave them hope on their own journey. I love, I love how I'm hard on people. I thought Jamal showed a lot of humility in how he handled it he just said be where you're at and so if you are not a church person or if you are if you don't believe in god or if you do like be where you're at but be on the journey like me having permission to just be and to be myself and to be the i am like he was talking about is huge it's huge i agree anyway guys thank you all for listening i hope you guys enjoy this content Hey, do us a favor, shoot us a direct message on any of our Instagram, Facebook, anything like that, or you can email us, uh, helmettheorypodcast at gmail.com, or just find us on Facebook or Instagram, but we would just love to know, like, what are you thinking? What's your feedback? Positive, you negative? Questions. You have things you want yeah. us to talk about. And this is not like us fishing for compliments. Like, really, let us know, like, what, what's your favorite episode? What'd somebody say that was inspiring? What are you questioning? What'd you hate? I mean, just... Let us know. We'd love the feedback. So we always check the uh, check the DMs to so slide right in. But uh, <laughs> thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Holla!